Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. This is your host, Clayton Fletcher. Uh, excited to be bringing you yet another episode. Uh, really feeling the love, you guys. Appreciate all the comments on Twitter, all the ratings and reviews of the podcast. Uh, I, I really feel like people are showing a lot of love, and I'm very happy to tell you that this week, it will not be just you and me like it was last time. I know some of you are probably getting sick of hearing me talk to myself in my bedroom. So I want to bring on our guest, and it's our guest from just three short weeks ago uh, back joining us once again. Please welcome back to the program, Jason Smith. How are you, Jason? Good. How are you doing? I'm Clayton? good. I'm good. Uh, you let me know. I'm, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to tell the listeners that you're not exactly 100%. So have you come down with something? Are you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm fine. I um, just change of weather. Like, it was like 85 degrees for three days in a row, and then it dropped down into, like, the 60s today. Oh, yeah, that's always So fun. it's just like one of those where, like, the kids just sort of ran through it, so it's just sort of, you know, hanging with me. Okay, so it's just like a change of weather, but you'll be able to plow through and... and... Yeah, we'll be all right. We'll all be right. all right. Yeah, I cannot subject our loyal listeners to another episode with just my voice for 60 minutes. We're not going to do that to you guys, okay? You get uh, Jason has a very pleasant voice, even with a uh, you know congestion or whatever he's got. But what's funny is we never have 100% of Jason, because last time you were like five-tabling some kind of ACR series, right, while we were, while we were trying to talk to you. And now this time you're, you've that got the flu true. or whatever it is. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe one of these days I'll have like the full effect but uh, I'm sure that uh, Jason at 50% plus me has got to be better than just me any day. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> you might be overpromising here. Okay. We'll <laughs> I tend to do that. I do. So tell us how that went for you that night. You were podcasting with me while uh, competing for millions in the, uh, what do they call it, the OSS or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, nothing jumps out at me about how the night went as far as the poker goes. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anything special happened on the tables, but I had a blast with you last time, which is why I'm here again this time, because okay. I enjoyed it so much that uh, when, when the invitation came out, I jumped all over it. Well, I appreciate that, man. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, the listeners, the TPA, the TPE Nation, as I think we're going to start calling them, I think I just started calling them that for the first time. Uh, the TPA, TPE Nation needs to know uh, what's going on with the poker world, and they want to be uh, in touch with the coaches, with the pros, and with everyone that's in any way connected to TPE. So we are going to be bringing them content each and every week. We want to find out what, what people are doing, what they're playing, how, the, how it's going, what they're working on in their games, and uh, the podcast is a huge part of that. So... I appreciate you coming on. I think we, you know, the feedback that we got from the other episode that you did with me 
Uh, people love you, man. So I'm really happy that you are up for it again tonight, especially in your weakened, afflicted condition. So <laughs> it's not that bad. It's more. It was more one of those things when I was like, "Hey, could we postpone it, maybe, or whatever?" It's more just because I'm not quite a hundred percent, but I'm just kind of a baby when I don't feel good. I could be way worse. You it's guys, not that big he's of a deal. he's doing this for you. He's literally on his deathbed, <laughs> and he's doing this for the fan base. So. Uh, you guys uh, better damn well appreciate it. All right. <laughs> it's more just like I'm just a little bit more sweaty than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> That's cool. It's completely undetectable to anyone listening how sweaty you are. Great. Great. So I want to get into it a little bit, talk about uh, this this new YouTube vlogger who's burst onto the scene. Are you familiar with this Marley Cordero? Uh, am I, I know we didn't discuss this beforehand. Uh, Do you know who she is and what she's doing? I think that I've caught a couple of her vlogs. If it's who I'm thinking of, uh, you know what? Let me just pull up YouTube and look at my recommendeds because it, sh- it might be in there. She's if... making a huge splash. The whole poker world is talking about this girl, Marley Cordero. Yep. I think I'm pronouncing oh, her name right. Yup. Very attractive girl. She's doing vlogs in the, you know, Joey Ingram, uh, Doug Polk style. Was I'm going to go play? And then she tells you what happened. She reviews hands. But what she's getting more attention for is openly talking about how she's looking for a poker boyfriend, how she needs a steak. She even made a funny video about how she went to work at the Spearmint Rhino, which is a a notorious strip club in Vegas. She lives in Vegas. Uh, She used to model in L.A., uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on her because uh, I know how I feel about it, but I wanted to see what other poker players are thinking since she is uh, getting so much attention, not necessarily for her poker. What do you think? Well, I'll say this. Uh, I saw, I think I saw the video that was the vlog about, um, I think it was titled Looking for a Poker Boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Where she... She was walking through, like, all the casinos saying, yep, I fucked that guy, I fucked that that guy, like, that whole thing. You know, it's, yeah, I'm sure it's cute or whatever. It's not really my speed. I'm a withered old man, you know? So, it's, uh, I could see why the young guys would be into it. Not my speed, necessarily, but I'm sure she's good at what she does. She held my attention for the whole video. I watched it till the end, so it's not like I had to shut it off early, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's an eight-minute video, which by today's mm-hmm. standards is extremely long. So Yeah, 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 <laughs> I know. I felt like I was just like, how much time am I investing here? What the hell? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, you but, know, I'm in the entertainment field, as you know, and mm-hmm. I like anything that uh, spices things up. You know, I don't think that poker players need to pretend that they are uh, on their best behavior at all times. Um, this young lady is clearly not on her best behavior at all times. Yeah, she seems a little out of line, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's fun that she is, uh, you know, putting it out there. And obviously she must know that she's going to get so much attention. Um, You know, I I can't imagine what her uh, inbox looks like on Instagram uh, from the thirsty poker community, let's just say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on a more serious note, uh, if this kind of draws attention to poker and kind of changes the rules as far as what a female poker player is supposed to be i mean she's completely unapologetic about wanting to find someone basically like a sugar daddy or whatever you want to call it you know she needs mm-hmm. someone to give her money to play with uh, you know when she does actually get into talking about hands which 
if you watch the vlog series, she does quite a bit of that. Uh, she seems to have, you know, a clue about playing cards. I mean, she seems like she mostly focuses on cash games and, you know, she's not a terrible player. I obviously, I don't think. Yeah, that, no, she, she definitely seemed like she knew what she was talking about. You know? Yeah. So she's not some kind of, you know, just dumb girl that wants to like, you know, try to use sex appeal to get into the poker world. I mean, she's clearly yeah. studied and she works hard on her game and all that. But I, well, I love the fact that she's being unapologetic about, look, you know, I need money. I, I, you know, she kind of make it fun of the guys in poker, like, you know, focusing the camera on like the schlubbiest looking, like fat guy at the table being like, no, nope, mm-hmm. I already, I already, already been with him. So he's, yeah, already, yeah. he's out of, you know, it's well, kind of a silly joke, but whatever. I wonder too, though, I wonder, cause it's, cause she's so over the top with it. Yeah. I wonder if she is, you know, if it's if she's just like sort of like making fun of the type of girl she's projecting in her videos, right? Where it's like, is this reality or is it parody? Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like it might be a bit of parody. Yeah, you know, to me, anything that brings a little fun to the game that has gotten mm-hmm. so stale, especially like the TV coverage. I think somebody like this, like she's got a sense of humor. Um, you know, she's nice to look at, obviously, but. Uh, she's she brings something more to the table than just being a pretty girl who plays poker. I think it's fun. I mean, I'm I'm a fan. I guess I'm a fan. Not that I'm subscribing to all her videos and like I can't wait till the next vlog comes out. But I'm just a fan in general of anyone that's that's bringing fun to the game, especially yeah, fair enough. Yeah, especially when it's not it's not going to really do any damage. Uh, you know, somebody like William Kasuf, his brand of fun to the game was to slow it down and, you know, comp- you know, make everyone complain about how slowly he was playing while he just wants to hear himself talk and do the same three jokes a hundred thousand times on ESPN. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, this actually is fun because here's a girl that's kind of got a different voice and it's nice to see. I, I like it. So, um, fair yeah, enough, fair enough. yeah. Now, what about you? Have you ever thought about entering the vlog space? I mean, you have the no. name. You have the name that everybody wanted, snossed and lost. I mean, you know, it would be such a shame to have that all <laughs> locked up and not use it full advantage. Well, I mean, you know, if if I ever was fortunate enough to do well enough in live poker tournaments in the, down the road, that all of a sudden my name would attract viewers, then maybe I would consider it. Right. If there, if I, if I, but right now I feel like, I mean, you would subscribe to me maybe, <laughs> but, and then like 14 other people would, but it wouldn't be much. I just don't think that I have the, the I, I don't, I don't have enough results in live poker and on, on a big stage to sort of warrant an audience. I don't think. Right. And I don't, I'm not as pretty as Marley or whatever her name is, so. Yeah. I hope I'm even um, pronouncing her name right, I'm guessing. But hey, I think know, it's right. I think it's M-A-R-L-E-E, so it's, I think that's right, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure though. I, I, I hate when, when I hear someone mispronounce another person's name repeatedly on a podcast, so I hope that I'm not guilty of that myself right now. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I think it's even spelled phonetically. I think it's spelled M-A-R-L-E-E. Okay. Alright, so we're gonna go with Marley, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that some of the backlash she's getting now, she has her share of haters and I think that some of the backlash she's getting is because she doesn't have your humility. You know, here you are, uh, a known entity on TPE 
uh, a pro that that people look up to, and you're saying, oh, I don't think people would want to watch my blogs. I don't think people, you know, I haven't had enough live results to really do stuff like that. And you have like, you know, I want to earn it first kind of mm-hmm. mentality. And now here she is, like, hey, I'm a cute girl who plays poker, so maybe I can get some attention. Hey, man, but she has that to sell. Anything. I don't have that to sell. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. No, but she really does, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. just, you know, she has natural genetics or natural biology that she can sell where like i don't have right. that right well, and that's there, yeah. there, i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all just it's just you know just i you know it's kind of a the fact of the situation right sure sure and yeah, yeah i didn't mean to put words in your mouth there but yeah I, I do notice that uh there's a there's a bit of backlash for for everyone that seems to think it's cool that she's doing that and that she's kind of a fresh voice i mean she's definitely mm-hmm. a fresh voice there's no one else like her on the scene um, there are there are an equal number of people that are you know who does she think she is? Uh, she's not respecting oh, the goodness. game, you know this oh, kind good. of stuff. Give me yeah. a fucking break! Yeah. What does that <laughs> even I feel mean? Too. What does that Jesus. mean? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about my language, no, but I just think okay. that's just so ridiculous. Yeah, like, it's... who does she think she is? She's disrespecting the game. Yeah. Uh, have you met poker players, bro? <laughs> 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 Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just, that's just how people are. If somebody has any bit of success, there's always going to be people who are going to try and tear it down and make it and minimalize it. And it's like, you know, I said in the beginning that her sort of brand isn't for me, but that's not because I think she doesn't deserve the attention she's getting. It's just her brand of humor is sort of like the 25 year old version of myself would have ate it up. Right. You know? Right, but now but as the you thirty-seven-year-old version of myself isn't—it's not my cup of tea. But good for her. I hope wish her all the success in the world. You yeah, know. But you're all grown up now, and you're over it. Right, I got you. <laughs> yeah, just, just, it's just like it's like single guy humor to me. Like sure. it's like single guys would be, uh, like you know what I mean, attracted yeah. to that sort of thing. Understood. But, well, here's hoping I never grow up, and uh, I'm gonna <laughs> continue to watch it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I would like to see is for Marley to actually have some success. Like, I want to see her make a final table on the World Poker Tour or something like that where she can actually put herself on the map for something more than just being, like, you know, the sexy girl that does that silly blog. Uh, I want to see her do something big so that she doesn't get, like, an Anna Kornikova kind of uh, stigma to her. You know, yeah, she looks good, but she never wins, right? We don't want that. So uh, here, at least one person out here is uh really rooting for her to do well i want to see her do well i think it would be great for the game uh you know just to call attention kind of like danica patrick did for nascar i mean i think people started watching auto racing who never would have watched it but they were just you know there was kind of like a feminist message or whatever going on with that i think it's fun to see how poker can evolve and try to market itself better because i you know for a while 15 years ago you know, poker was as mainstream as it could be, and it looked like it was going to get even more so. And then all of a sudden, as you know, the uh, federal government decided we weren't going to be able to play online anymore, and that kind of dried everything else that was happening up. And we've never mm-hmm. fully recovered, at least in the mainstream. Now, you could say, well, the main event had almost a record number of participants, you know, things like that as far as the game is concerned. There are other measurement means of measurement that you could say the game is alive and well. But, you know, I remember what things used to be, and it is not the same at all. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. Fair we're, enough. We're kind of tucked into a corner right now, and I'd love to see someone help us break back into the mainstream and just be a little bit more 
at the forefront of the public consciousness. I don't know. Maybe this whole uh, sports betting law will help. What do you think about that? I mean, obviously, you know, the Supreme Court said that states can decide whether they want to have uh, sports betting, which used to be a federal law that said it had to happen in Nevada. So that's kind of a big change. We're seeing some some shifting from that. Do you think this could bleed into poker? I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm not up on how all of the laws work, but it's sort of I can make the logical connection that if they're going to allow sports betting and they're going to allow online sports betting, that I can make the jump that I think it makes sense that that would open the doors for, you know, a game like poker online. Yeah, and probably all forms of gambling because what Mm -hmm. we've seen is they they don't really want to differentiate between – well, this is a skill game, and that, you know, if you're gambling, you're gambling. So mm-hmm. that's the way the government sees it, and that's the way the politicians look at it. No matter how much education the PPA tries to give them, <laughs> like gambling is gambling. They see slots and poker in the same light, so they have to be cool with all of it, or it's just not going to, it's not going to push through, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, cool. Yeah, I like to start off the podcast every week by kind of. You know what's going on, and this Marley girl is getting a lot of attention. So I figure we should give her some more. I definitely wanted to get your thoughts on that. So thank you for indulging the unexpected questions about a twenty-five-year-old oh, sure. no. vlogger. <laughs> I'm just glad that I accidentally ran into one of her vlogs. Just it like <laughs> popped up in my YouTube recommendeds, like probably earlier this week. It wasn't that long ago; it was a few days ago. I'm just real because if it hadn't, I wouldn't even know who you were talking about. Right. Like, I, Right, and then it wasn't on my radar at all. It just happened to be like, I was like, "Oh, what's this blog?" Like popped up on my recommendeds, and I was like, "All right, let's check it out." You know what? If that had happened, we could have just paused this. I could give you a minute to check it out, and then we could talk about it, and you could still come off like the expert you just did. So don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, do you have any poker hands you want to get into? I know people they want to hear strategy. They don't care what we think about Marley. They want to learn how to play this game better. So. Uh, did you happen to have time to look anything up? If not, I have a few. I could. I I do not. I did not come prepared with any hands this time. Okay. I apologize for that, but no, no I okay. don't. That's okay. Um, those who listened last week uh, know that I recently participated in the Isle Poker Open in Pompano Beach, Florida. So mm-hmm. uh, I have a couple of hands from some tournament events that I played down there. Uh, I think. We have a few spots here to discuss and kind of get maybe into with with you not only the spots themselves, but just kind of general approach to uh, tournaments. So, yeah, why don't we get into it? Sure. All right, cool. So this first one here is from an event uh, as part of the – it's one of the preliminaries for the Isle Poker Open, which is not a huge event, by the way. The main event down there is $1,500. Their high roller is $2,500. So it's definitely a mid-stakes kind of series. Um, we had some pretty big names in the field because there had been a big WPT in Jacksonville, Florida in the days right prior to the main event in Pompano. So I think a lot of the pros felt, well, I'm already in Florida. I might as well, you know, just jet down to Pompano, which is only like 10 minutes from Fort Lauderdale, which is definitely a fun place to be. So I think the field was surprising, as I mentioned on a previous episode. 
so this is a hand from an $1,100 buy-in, uh, six max event. It's a two-day tournament, uh, kind of middle stages, maybe early middle stages uh, of day one. I'm at a five-handed table because we lost a player, so it's really mm-hmm. shorthanded. The blinds were 200 and 400, and there was a 400 big blind ante that okay. I paid in this hand. So I'm the big blind in this hand. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, a five-handed table. We've got about 22,000. So, yeah, the big blind is 400. We have 22,000. So mm-hmm. what is that, 50? It's like uh, 50, 55 blinds. Yeah, 55 big blinds or M of 22, however you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody folds to the small blind who is kind of a you know, pretty average tournament reg. He's probably like about 35 years old, uh, Caucasian, a little bit of a goatee, uh, hasn't really been too remarkable as being either tight or loose or anything like that. Um, if anything, I would say... He's probably just about, you know, if he had HUD stats, <laughs> I know you're an online guy, so if you could put HUD stats on a live player, uh, I, he would probably have like average, like average player HUD, right? So nothing really stands huh. out. Sure. Uh, he opens from the small blind to 900, and I am in the big blind holding king of diamonds, four of diamonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we can fold. So what do you think about calling as opposed to raising? And if we do raise, what do you think we should make it? Mm, I think it's an okay hand to raise. I probably would just call with position here. But if we did raise, I'd probably make it around 3000 Okay. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So w- what's better? Do you, I mean, Before I uh, reveal what I did, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on whether you think well, – you know, what, what's How do you balance whether you should raise a suited king – what what hands would you raise if you don't raise this one? Kind of give me an idea of how to range myself here. Yeah, so I think personally in in this situation when we're um when we're blind versus blind and the small blind is raising into us, I would rather three bet a really polarized range like you know all of my hands that I'm basically going the distance with. Like how many how many chips a did our villain oh, yeah. have here? That's a really important question. I should have told you ahead of time. He's got he's got us covered. He's got about twenty eight. Okay. Yeah. So so we're playing like fifty five blinds effective here. Yeah. So I think hmm I think I would want a three better range that's something like um you know ace queen plus and like jacks plus or tens plus. And then have hands that uh, don't flop very well, uh, but could be the best hand, like King Seven offsuit or A Six offsuit, and make those my three bet bluffs, right? Mm. Like hands that can take it down a fair amount, but we don't really want to like calling in position doesn't really offer us very many opportunities uh to win post flop because it's just not a flop that uh, not a hand not hands that are going to connect with the board well enough often enough that you know allow us to to make a whole lot of chips so 
you know, turn the hands that could be the best hand, but don't flop well into bluffs is sort of how I would approach that spot. I like it a lot. Uh, so basically, yeah, I have a king four suited. You would prefer three betting with king four offsuit just because it's so much harder to have anything on the flop. Yes. When you're, when you're offsuit. All right. Yeah, and because our range is polarized, I would go for a large sizing. Like I think I suggested three point one or so. Like, and I think anywhere from like three to three and a half x is really a good sizing here. So, yeah, because we're gonna because we're gonna have a very strong range, and then some hands that we're not really looking to get calls. So, uh, we either want to have max fold equity or get max value from our big hands. You know? Sure. Sure. I like it a lot. Um, I did choose to three bet here. Okay. Uh, I think I, now that we talked about it, I, I kind of like three betting more with uh, with an offsuit king four. You know, my rationale was I, I could quite well have the best hand, but again, it's kind of hard to flop anything you're too proud of with king four. I mean, I am suited, so you know, there's a little chance I might get some diamonds. Uh, well, I'll say this, you know, I don't think that three betting with king four is a mistake, but mm. if you're asking me what strategy I, I like there personally, yeah. it's, it's the one I said. It doesn't mean that I think that they're like, you know, three betting king four suited is going to be better than three betting king four off like in a vacuum because king four suited is going to offer you more semi bluffs with flush draws, stuff like that, right? So it's not like a terrible hand to do it with by yeah. any means. Yeah, but I definitely see the case for flatting it too, so. Uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of an interesting um, pre-flop spot because I feel like I'm probably going to take it down a lot with this play, and I don't feel like I'm losing that much by doing so. It's not like I can, you know, I, I feel like if you do this with a hand like pocket fours and you lose your opponent, you ha- you you risk possibly not being able to win a big big pot when you flop a set. So in those cases, it's better to to just call or maybe if i had like an ace four suited it's a fun hand to call because you know you can flop so many flush draws straight draws and a lot of them are to the nuts so yeah i guess that was kind of my thinking is that i prefer flying with those hands but yeah i, I definitely see what you mean so yeah i make it three thousand so i'm in the ballpark where you thought the uh the sizing should be mm-hmm. and uh my opponent tanks for probably about 40 seconds, and then he finally calls. So, we see a flop. We have, we have the king of diamonds, four of diamonds. There's about... There's 6,400 in the middle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. And the flop comes king of diamonds, nine of spades, five of diamonds. So we well, flop. Did you say king of diamonds? Sorry, I did say king, but I meant to say ten of diamonds. Nine okay. of spades, five of diamonds. Thanks for correcting me. Yeah. Ten, okay. ten, nine, five with two diamonds. So we have the king high flush mm-hmm. draw uh, and an over card for what it's worth. And he checks to us. Mm-hmm. So you had said one fun thing about pumping it up with a hand like this is you can semi-bluff when you flop a flush draw. So here we have one. I guess continue with the plan, right? And go ahead and bet it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of sizing do you prefer here? I like at this stacked up a very small size, right? For a couple of reasons. One, it allows us to double barrel fairly often when we get called. And if we get raised, we will likely have some fold equity to get it all in, 
right? Mm. If we make it big here, say we bet like 5K or 4,500 into 6K, into 6,400, and then he raises to 15K, we don't have any fold equity, and we end up just like either calling it off with king four or diamonds with just a naked flush draw, or we end up folding a lot of equity with a flush draw, right? And neither of those situations are good. They suck, right? They're, they're just really bad spots to be in. And so if we bet like 1200 or 1500 on the flop and he raises to, you know, 4K or 6K, we have plenty of chips to either decide to flatten see one card and fold if we get bet and we miss on the turn, or semi-bluff shove if he checks to us on the turn, or make a flush and go for max value, or we have plenty of fold equity if we decide to come back over the top facing a check raise when we make it a small bet. So I like betting, you know, I would say anywhere from 12 to 1800, but I would lean more towards like the 12 to 1500 range. Yeah, I mean, that is a really small bet, especially... Mm-hmm. Given that we had three bet to three thousand before the flop, now you're going to drop mm-hmm. it all the way down to maybe yep. twelve hundred. That's the kind of bet that almost wants to induce a check raise, right? Maybe yeah, well, he, he might have been playing a check fold, and now he's and that's great when he does that if he if he's bluffing, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you still have room to push him off. I really like that. Yeah, I didn't really consider anything in that range uh, size wise. Uh, but yeah, I like it a lot. That's, that's, yeah, that's really a good idea. Because what'll happen is, he might check expecting to just fold when we continuation bet, you know, and he missed with whatever he had. Mm-hmm. And then if you just bet 1200, he might just say, oh, I can't let this guy have this big pot for 1200. And then get more involved than he wanted to. Yeah, well, then, so then you had 2,400, so now we have 8,800 in the middle, and then you drop 5,500 on the turn. Right, and, so yeah, yeah, he could call, or he could even check-raise the flop. Yep. And then you could shove on him, and now he's in a really bad spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or he can call, right, and then you can just double-barrel. Yep. Yeah. And you can double barrel comfortably. Think about this. Like, Think about if you bet, like, 3,500 here, right? So... We start with 22,000, now we're down to 19,000, and then you bet 3,500 into 6,400 on the flop. So now we're at what? We're at 15,5, and yeah. we bet 35, so we've bet 3,500, we have 15,5, and now there's going to be like 13K in the pot, right? Right. So think about what that does to our flexibility on the turn. Like now all of a sudden, uh, we have to either jam the turn or check back and hope we hit. <laughs> uh, we're just in a really shit spot on the turn where it's like, I guess we just, I think the best play would be just double barrel. If you're going to play it for that size on the flop and you get called, you just got to like keep repping the big hand and go for, go for broke there on the turn with, with your, with your semi bluff. I think checking back would be a huge mistake if you play it that for that sizing anyway i'm sort of rambling on about the different sort of ideas of what can happen but that's why i like such a small bet it just allows us more flexibility more streets to play it allows us to like if we do decide to check back the turn we have an over invested post flop and we still have plenty of chips behind that we're not sort of like giving up on a huge pot we're giving up on a medium-sized pot or a small pot you know compared to our stack size sure Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, this is great. And this is, uh, you know, to me, the value of being able to do a podcast with, uh, you know, someone who thinks about the game the way you do. I didn't even think about 
possibly doing a very small bet on the flop. Uh, you know, I figured, look, I flopped a flush draw. I need to bet enough to get this guy to fold. And, you know, and if he calls, then I still have equity and I can shove the turn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've set it up with this small bet. You might be able to triple barrel. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, you know, I want to just push back a little bit on the idea that, you know, you're just rambling about all the things that can happen. I mean, isn't this what we have to do? Like, you yeah, have to true, think about true. all the things that can happen. That's how you develop the right yeah. strategy. So well, I think you just you just hear that little bit of like uh, under the weather insecurity coming through <laughs> at me. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no. We'll call it under the weather insecurity, okay? <laughs> That's, That's right. what we'll we'll stick with that, okay? Yeah. <laughs> no, look, I mean, I'm here to tell you, you are good enough, you're smart enough, and everyone loves you. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. You. So, uh, yeah, so I I bet a more standard amount. I bet 35 mm-hmm. uh about half the pot, a little bit more actually. And uh I got check raised to 9k. Yeah. So, so this is exactly this, what you said. Now I'm in this yeah, horrible in spot. This fucking spot, right? It's like, and do it's I like, want to fold? I'm sure I have a lot of equity in the hand. Yeah, you do have. I mean, you're gonna have like, you know, you're definitely gonna have a, a a reasonable amount of equity in this hand when you have a flush draw. And now, but now you don't have any fold equity, or at least no perceived fold equity. You'd have to have just a stone air bluff, but he's a very straightforward reg, right? Yeah, I mean, that was my like read we bas- on him. Yeah. We basically called him, like, the 18-15-6 guy, yeah, right? Yeah, the average, yeah, average Yeah, stats, it's yeah. just your straightforward, like, very ABC reg, so he's probably just has a hand here, right? Yeah. And I mean, so I think we just have to make a discipline. Like, we've played ourselves into a spot where we just have to fold out a lot of equity, I think. Yeah. That that sucks so bad. I mean, I was trying to range his check raising to nine k range. Uh, I thought he could have like a queen jack, uh, which I'm actually ahead of. I thought there might be other flush draws that I'm beating. Well, there. I mean, yeah. Well, there there could be a couple of those, but he did raise and then call a three bet. So, like, what flush draws exactly do you think he might have when the ten of diamonds is on the board? What was the other diamond? I know there was a ten and a nine. The nine wasn't a diamond, though, was right. it? Right. The bottom card, the five. The five. Okay, so the nine and or the ten and the five were diamonds. So that means what he has like nine eight of diamonds which is a pair and a flush draw that has his beat yeah and could play this eight, way seven yeah. of diamonds has an open under and a flush draw he has more equity than us well actually he blocks our flush draws he doesn't have more equity than us we still have the best hand there because we block his flush draws yeah but he's got a lot of equity with his straight outs still and his pair outs right, right. Um, um so let's think of what other diamonds he has like he could have queen jack but what other queens does he have that right. are two diamonds Right, right. He just right. doesn't have that many combos of diamonds, and yeah, he could have queen jack once in a while. But mostly, this is just going to be like sets and like playing ace ten kind of fast, or maybe he just called pre with a big pair and is deciding to go for broke here. You know? Yeah, I felt just... like he could have a big pair. I thought he could have ace ten. Yep. I, I thought he could have queen jack. Yep. He could have diamonds. Uh, but as you say, there aren't that many combos, but there are some. Uh, I thought he could have a pair and a straight draw. Uh, I mean, I, he could have a pair and a flush draw or possibly just a naked straight draw with queen jack or 8-7. Uh, yeah, I thought that whole range, I didn't feel comfortable folding because there's enough in that 
in in his range that, uh, versus that range we just described. I have so much power, mm-hmm. but if I don't fold, then what do I do? Right? Do I do I want to call? And no, you would just I, get it all. Yeah, in. you just got to get it all in. You, you just got to get it all in here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like okay, so we're getting in, you know, twenty, or we're getting in nineteen k to win. 19 plus 64, so 25. Um, plus, no, actually, yeah, well, no, 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 no. You bet 35, so we're getting in 15.5 to win, like, 28, right? So we're getting, like, 2 to 1. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we could... Let's, let me, should I pull up an equity calculator and put it through? Yeah, I mean, you definitely could. I mean, I feel like I have enough equity against a lot of the range we just said. Plus, yeah, know, well, versus a lot of the range you do, versus some of the range. I just wonder overall. I mean, now that might take a, it might, on a podcast where there's no visual, it might be a little bit dull to look up the, the, use the equity calculator right now, so we'll skip it. Yeah. But it's, it's probably pretty close, right? I think it's pretty close, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it wasn't like a fist pump, shove, get it in, like, love my life against Mm -hmm. everything he could possibly have. Because, like you say, he could even have a set. I mean, Oh, you know, some of the things that we didn't consider, too, are, like, he could have some of, like, the ace-jack of diamonds. A better flush draw. of diamonds, Right, the better flush draws. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that already have us beat, and we're drawing super thin against. And that's what I was most worried about. Mm -hmm. Did I really get so unlucky that he's got an ace high flush draw when I flop a king high flush draw and I'm about to get all my chips in against that, that would be terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, my problem was I thought he could love his hand if he had like ace 10 or jacks or queens. And then, you know, with my 12 outs, I'm looking good against those hands. But, you know, like you say, it's really about the full range, not just what exactly does he have this, this exact time. <laughs> so it was a tough spot. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's not do the equity. Like you said, that's going to take too long to yeah. do on a podcast. I'm sure the listeners at home have already done it. <laughs> Most of them have already done they, they, they listen to the podcast while having their equity calculators ready to go anyway, so they can, uh, you know, berate me for my stupid plays. Uh, <laughs> so I shoved and, uh, I was up against two black aces. Yeah. So not the worst spot, but not how you want to get your money in. No, I mean, that means we have, like, nine outs twice, so we yeah. have, like, you know, we were basically getting exactly, exactly enough equity to be making, like, a little bit long-term there, I think. Right, and then if you're you know? if you're doing that in cash games for the rest of your life, you're fine, but yeah. doing that in tournaments is obviously a lot more tragic. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't play that many shorthanded tournaments, I don't know how many five-handed tournament tables I've been at in my career when it's only, like, the fifth hour of day one. Yeah, yeah. So I think that may have like messed with my mind a little bit, and and I felt like I'm, I need to play faster because mm-hmm. it's five handed table, and I've already posted the big blind and the ante sure. and and all of that stuff. So yeah, I was hoping I could get you to talk about that a little bit, like how much adjusting of you know your basic strategy would you suggest uh, when you enter a six max tournament, and now you're at a five-handed or sometimes even a four-handed table as players bust and they're slow to replace them, you know, how much does that affect your uh, your style and your, your basic strategy? 
I mean, you know, I'm basically just going to be, you know, if you're a five-handed table or a six-handed table, you're just playing like, you know, your low jack, high jack, cut off button ranges, and then your small blind ranges. So you're just, you're just playing more hands because you're always in late position, right? Right. Yeah, and so, you're basically like you know even when you're first to go, I guess that's the last middle position right, technically. Right, 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 right. But you're in late middle position and then late position and 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 so, you know, yeah, you're going to be playing. Everyone's going to have a little bit wider of ranges. Well, theoretically, everyone should have a little bit. The, the ranges should be a bit wider than than they would at a nine-handed table. It's like the first three guys folded, right? Right. Yeah. So, so um, here I'm a five-handed table, so it's basically like I'm the hijack, right? You're, you're mm-hmm. under the if you're under the gun, you're the hijack. I mean, the low like, jack, the low jack. Oh, five-handed, yes, five-handed, hijack. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Sorry, I was, like, sticking with six in my head for some reason. Yeah, yes, no, it's okay. Right. Um, and, of course, in this hand, like I mentioned, I'm the big blind, but, you know, I'm just thinking, like, how do you generally – do you defend more when you have to post uh, a big blind ante that is the full amount of the big blind every so, five hands? You know – I honestly don't know. I have never played in a big blind ante tournament, and I am not really sure how we're supposed to view that. I think it's interesting. I think there's several ways to sort of think about it, though. One is, well, when you're in the big blind, you did commit those other chips, but I wonder if you're supposed to view it like as if you've just posted uh, an ante every hand. Right. And then you you actually have to come out of your pocket when you're in that spot. I don't know how that works when you're a short stack, though. Like, it seems like, you know, your earlier position shove spots, you might be shoving a wider range because you know you're going to have to put two big blinds in in the big blind. Yeah, yeah. So it does. It sh- there should be some dynamic changes. I just haven't studied how to play the big blind ante, so I'm not exactly sure. Um, I also wonder this, though, you know, even if you don't take into consideration that you've posted two blinds, um, what I wonder is, um, all right, get your thoughts together, Jason. That's okay. Um, I'm sure you took some heavy medicine for your, you know, your, your no, tragic it, illness that you're suffering. No, but like, <laughs> think about how big those antes are, though. Like, you're at a five-handed table. If you divide the ante by five. You know, you guys are each putting in a uh, hundred chips at four hundred blind. Sure. Or, or I guess seventy-five chips, maybe, or mm, not 80, quite. A little bit more than seventy-five. Yeah, chips, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So everyone's putting in like a twenty percent ante. Right. Those are big antes to fight for. So your ranges are going to be even wider than usual because usually antes are much smaller than twenty percent. Of you course. Know? Yeah. And the way um, I the way I was looking at it, and and you know people pick on me a little bit. I, I get a little bit of flack because I'm old school. You know, I like to think in terms of M. You know, your M is just your SPR before the flop. I don't know why we're all so comfortable with SPR on the flop, but not as much before the flop. And I think when you get a, a, a curveball like a big blind ante that a lot of us aren't exactly used to playing, uh, it, it makes a big difference because if each of us had posted the normal ante for a 200, 400, the ante might have been 50, and then there would only be uh, you know, 50 times 5, 250 in antes in yeah. the pot. But in this case, I posted 400. That's a big difference. Yeah, so and so when you think in terms of M, like you do, you have an advantage in these oddball situations because you know what you how you play at a certain M where 
when you're thinking big blinds, you're not, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's like, like if you play in those anti only tournaments, you're, you playing with a certain amount of M is going to be so much benef- more beneficial than in big blinds when big blinds don't matter in anti only tournaments, right? Finally, someone endorses my love of M. Thank you. Well, no, Jason. it's, I think it's, I think it's, I think that's a skill I would, I think I need to pay more attention to because I think when you do end up in these weird structures and live tournaments, especially in these like, you know, smaller series that run through, you know, the states, um, and you end up in these weird anti-structures where the anti-structures even fluctuate. Like some, some levels are 10% and some levels are like 18%, just depending on which level of the tournament you're at. Sure. They just, they just sort of fluctuate because of the, uh, availability of chips. Like they take away some, anyway, uh, rambling again, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I think M is a super important skill, and I wish I had that. I wish I, you know, that's something I need to pay more attention to and start thinking in those terms. Yeah, I think that, you know, when online coaching kind of became a thing, it was just mm-hmm. an easy shortcut to be like, oh, well, I have X number of big blinds. Uh, but prior to online coaching becoming a thing, a lot of us learned tournament strategies from books. And most of those books talked in terms of M because it was just a more exact measurement of how how many times I can go around the table, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And tells you how many times you can go around the table before you get blinded off, assuming the blinds don't go up and you don't play any pots. Uh, whereas your number of big blinds doesn't exactly tell you that because it doesn't account for the antes. And how the antes can change uh, based on how many people are at the table uh, or just that some tournaments they have a structure where the ante is really large or... You know, just different variables that aren't considered when you're just calculating your number of big blinds. So, yeah, I will keep pounding the table on how important M is, and it's nice to have at least one pro who's at least somewhat on my side on that. On that. Yeah, point. no, I, I, I think I totally am. Good, good. Thank yep. you. Thank mm-hmm. you. All right, so we have time. Do you want to do, like, one more hand that I played in Florida? Sure. All right, great. So this one's going to come from the main event. Uh, I lost that hand with the aces, by the way, and it it was uh, a tough way to go. But uh, yeah, the aces beat me, and I couldn't catch a diamond, so that was that. Uh, yeah, I shoved and lost. So now we're going to move on to the main event, which was a few days later. Uh, this tournament's fun. It's a $1,500 buy-in. There's uh, three starting days, and... Uh, they actually have a total of, well, there's a day two, and then day three is the final table. So this is early in the event. I found myself at a really good table. A lot of my opponents seem to be satellite winners or maybe like just like old retirees in Florida that play a couple of tournaments every year and don't mm-hmm. really study the game or know how to play. Um, I mean, they know the rules, of course, but, I mean, they don't really think too hard about strategies and stuff. A lot of them are also paying attention to college football games that are in progress and horse racing events that are happening. <laughs> but this particular casino is also a racetrack, so some of the clientele is uh, horse racing enthusiasts and people that mm-hmm. bet on horses. So uh, it's not exactly the uh, World Series of Poker. Uh, you know, it's it's just a different vibe, and I, I'm at a great table. So. Uh, my strategy thus far has been to uh, not bluff, 
to try to play all my hands for value and just basically exploit the mistakes that amateur or inexperienced or unstudied players tend to make, which is calling too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been working out great. I started with 25K. I now have 50K, and it's only mm-hmm. level two, and I haven't played a huge all-in pot. I've just won. I've just value bet and gotten called with a lot of good hands in the first like hour and a half. So, you know, smooth sailing thus far. Here we are in third position at a nine-handed table, also known as under the gun plus two. The blinds are 100 and 100. So the small blind and the big blind are each 100, and the big blind ante is 100. Okay. Yeah, so this is happening. So (laughs) they're putting in 100, 100, 100. Uh, Yeah, in this tournament, they started off with a big blind ante from the first level, which I thought was strange. Anyway, we have 50K. We're in third position with ace-queen offsuit. And our first two opponents limp in for 100 each. <laughs> okay. So, so, yeah, and it's not like what you're playing on uh, ACR at all. <laughs> <laughs> so what should we do? I'll certainly raise and uh, probably make it like six or 700. Okay. Yeah, I think it's pretty uncontroversial, that opinion. That's what I did, too. I made mm-hmm. it 600. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So another player, uh, two to my left, who has like been noticeably uh, clueless, just pretty <laughs> much calling everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he <laughs> he just calls. He's playing some bingo. Yeah, right he's on. calling to see the flop every single time. It doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. what you make it. He's every see time the, the dealer yeah. gets ready to pull the flop down, he's like rubbing his hands together, <laughs> like "Come on, baby." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's he's into it. He's in it to win it. Nice. Uh, Good for him. Good for yeah. him. And then after he calls, uh, they all fold to the small blind who calls. And the small blind is also a noticeably bad player. He's probably like 85 years old and okay. just, you know, really just like a very emotional guy. Like he's the kind of guy, like every time he folds, he has to show his neighbor. Can you, okay, believe, okay. can you believe I missed? You know, that kind of thing. So he's yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cranky old dude. Yeah. <laughs> and now uh, the big blind in this hand is uh, he doesn't fit the mold that the rest of my opponents fit. He's kind of a tough-talking guy in his 30s, wears sunglasses. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, he's like that guy. Like, you know, he's kind of like got a certain amount of disdain for yeah. everyone at the table and maybe everyone in the world. <laughs> nothing makes me happier than busting a guy like that in a tournament he's like if you were going to paint a picture of who does jason want to bust in a tournament you just describe that guy yeah to yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty hateable yeah so, yeah yeah so like, he, yeah see you later bro yeah yeah so he makes it 2700 <laughs> from out of the big blind oh, okay um now i've been playing at this table for a couple hours i think this is maybe the first or second three bet that I've seen like all day. So mm-hmm. it kind of got Is he 25 K deep or so. He was a little more. Yeah. He he was about 30. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's put in like almost a 10% of his stack here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first two limpers fold and now it's on me. And you got splashy McGee and cranky, Whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Splashy is on, is on my left, and, and the other one is to the small blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to think yeah, of who's left in the yeah. pot. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, this is such a fucking stupid spot. I mean, I would probably just call here a lot. I could see an argument for a fold. I almost would never for a bet because he's probably just not going to be three betting light here all that often, unless you have a read that he would do that. But it seems like he's in the big blind. There's a lot of money already in there. He would just want to take three cards and see a flop. Uh, with most of his hands. So his ra- raise is going to be pretty strong, but I just think you're likely to get f- four ways at 2,700 each, and like you have a chance, if you flop really well, to win a massive pot here. So I can see an argument for a call or a fold, I think. Yeah, I didn't really consider four betting. Uh, to me, yeah. the, I mean, I considered it, of course, but I kind of ruled it out pretty quickly like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like my choice was between folding and calling, and I think the case... For folding is just, uh, I don't close the action. Obviously, you know, people in Florida do like to slow play their aces, as we saw (laughs) two days ago in the other tournament I just described. Um, So it's possible that one of the old guys on my left, who is now waiting, uh, could wake up and then suddenly put in a four bet. It's kind of a minor uh, consideration, but I don't close the action, so I I can't guarantee that by calling I'll see a flop uh I think another reason to fold is just I'm at such a good table I don't need to be putting myself into any difficult spots at all you know yeah like if this flop comes queen high and this guy bets three times do I want to call him all the way down and lose a third of this big stack that I've built up so fast you know it's yeah no I mean I I have no arguments with those thoughts I think you're I think it's probably the correct play to be more disciplined and just let it go yeah especially at this good of a table I don't need to take chances but you know in the moment I was thinking about you know I could play a really big pot with yeah you know I'll be in position against the guy that kind of knows what he's doing and I'll also have a strong enough hand to see a flop you know I, I kind of talked myself into calling but even as i was calling i was like i should probably just fold this but yeah yeah uh, yeah i couldn't i couldn't resist as as we mm-hmm. say so i put in another uh 2100 and uh let's see the uh guy on my left folds and yeah right yeah he folded he, he folded oh up. man i would have lost a lot of money to you if you would bet me do this guy call or fold i, I would couldn't believe oh, he's calling easy I thought 100% he's calling but the small blind <laughs> uh the really old guy did call so okay so three of us saw a flop and i'm in position against both of them so it's, mm-hmm. it's me in the blinds there's uh you know 2700 uh plus 600 plus 300 plus... It's, nine, it's 9,200, it's I think. 92, yeah, that's what I come up with off the top mm-hmm. of my head. I forgot to write down this, the pot size here. So, yeah, let's say it was 9,200. And the flop was six of spades, five of hearts, deuce of spades. And we have the ace of spades. So we have ace of spades, queen of diamonds. So we didn't flop much other than our backdoor flush draw and two over cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the small blind checks and looks disappointed <laughs> and is not good at hiding his emotions and there's no chance he's acting. He's right. done. He's pretty much done with the hand every time. <laughs> his fucking fingers went into his yeah, armpits and he sighed real hard. And, yeah. yeah, he just can't, right. can't hide it and seems to not know that he should hide it. So <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And then our tough-talking friend bets 3,300, which is a tiny bet, especially in live. You just don't see uh, that sizing very much. Uh, so it's up to me. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we do have the ace of spades, and we do have this uh, guy giving up behind us already. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we have to see a turn card. And, you know, I think the plan should be a bat when checked to us on the turn. Okay. Pr- pretty much always. Yeah, so it's just um, a straight-up float, basically. Yep. Yeah. Yep, with with some, you know, two overs and a backdoor nut flush draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I agree. I called. I didn't really consider raising. I just didn't see any reason to go to war like that. And his sizing was so small that I think I was basically priced in. If my, yeah. if my cards are live, even, I think I'm priced in to call. So... Uh, yeah, you're calling 3,300 to play for a 15.8k pot. Yeah, like that's so. what's in the middle now going to the turn. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, so let's, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I can't imagine folding for that price. If you would yeah. have bet like 7,500 or even like I think even if you would have bet like 5,000, we might have just been like, okay, whatever. Let's just get out of here before this gets ridiculous. Yeah, I think even 42. Yeah, would probably get me out, but it's just 33. I was like, all right, you got me. If you're if you're milking me, then you just milked another 3300. I'm gonna yep. call and see what he does on the turn. So the turn club comes the nine of clubs, and he checks. And I'm and trying. so it's nine six five deuce. Yeah, nine six five deuce with two clubs, two spades. Correct. No, sorry. Yeah, and now there's. It's two spades and one heart and one club. So okay, okay, that's yeah. fine, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like we're just gonna bet here, right? And probably something, you know, if we had a value hand, how would we want to bet it? We'd want to bet it so that we were playing for stacks on the river. So, a uh, guy with thirty thousand makes it twenty seven hundred. Then bets thirty three. He's put six k in, so he has twenty four k. Right. There's fifteen eight in the pot, so let's bet like you know forty five hundred or five thousand. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. with you. I bet fifty four hundred. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so maybe a little larger than you would. Yeah, but, but yeah. that's that's anywhere from four to six k. I think is fine. It's just anywhere in that range. You yeah, know? it's in that ballpark. And my yep. opponent tanks for maybe about thirty seconds and mm-hmm. calls. Now thirty seconds is a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. So it it might sound like a short time, but it's actually quite a while. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like a lot longer than thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. When you're like facing a decision, when you know you're bluffing. Right. Right. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Fucking let's do this. What are you, you gonna do, bro? Totally. How long do I have to stare at this board for? Let's move it on. Right. Yeah. Right. So he ends up making me sweat it out. But the result of that was that I just put him on uh, a very capped range. You know, obviously he checked a turn. Mm-hmm. And now he's like trying to decide whether to call, and I really felt like it was a hard decision for him, and I didn't think it was between calling and raising me. I felt like it was between calling and folding. So I started to get, you know, and this is part of what it's hard to describe, like on a podcast or even if I talk to one of my poker friends. But you know, I, I hate to say playing by feel, but I do get a feeling sometimes, and I tend to trust my instincts in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know when he check calls there that he's very rarely going to have a set or an overpair right. because he's going to want to protect those on that board texture versus what you're calling 
the three bet preflop and floating the flop ranges, he's going to want to get a lot of value out of your like medium pocket pairs or flush draws, hands like that. So, you mean, he's going to bet all those hands almost always. So, yeah, he does have a super capped range. And, yeah, I mean, we should be, you know, if a king comes on the river, it's really ugly. But basically, like, like if you get a card 10 and under or an ace or a, not an ace or a queen, maybe a queen. If a queen comes, you should value shove. And if an ace comes, maybe we should just take our showdown. Interesting, yeah. It's interesting, you know. Um, because the ace comes, like, he could have ace-king there a fair amount. Like, he I would play like ace-king that way. Yeah. I, feel you like, know? I feel like it's a huge part of and, his range, actually. And what hands are going to call you on the river if he doesn't have ace-king in that spot? I mean, is he three-betting ace-jack? He probably would have just called pre with ace-jack, right? I agree 100%. Right? I think you evaluate this. Yeah. Point. Exactly. So, yeah, you just yeah. have to you have to just take the take the pot when you when you finally make a pair, you just check and and pull. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Yeah, well, not if it's the queen though. Because no. if it's a queen, he's not going to we already ruled out over pairs. Right, right, right. And and it's very so he's not going to have a set of queens. He's not going to have kings or aces. Sure. So a queen we could go for a value shove if he has a hand like say pocket eights on this board and for whatever reason wants to believe that we missed our flush draw you know we could still get some value like with a hand like that and we don't want to have all bluffs here you know sure you want to balance yeah yeah you want to have well as much as you're not really going to have that many value shoves in our particular situation but you want to like with our particular hand anyway but anyway so uh so you bet what did you bet on the turn uh 54 54 he calls so now what do we have 10 8 plus 15 8 so what's that 26 6 yes 26 6 in the middle and he has 24k in his stack and we have him covered so the river is what jack of hearts i know not my favorite card well it's just like not one of the qualifiers we agreed like 10 and under and then ace or queen or queens, really. Ten and under in the queens, we're going to get all the money in on the river. But it's a fucking jack. So it's like one of the cards where it's like... Yeah, we're not... Well, happy. actually, what jacks does he have, though? Right, I mean, he doesn't does he have, have ace... Jack? Yeah, he doesn't have ace jack, does he? I mean, I don't think he can call the turn no, with that. I don't think... Well, I don't think he check calls the turn with it, and I don't know that he three-bets it. So there's two sort of disqualifying factors there. So not very likely there is some chance that he could have pocket jacks and played it a little bit slow on the turn because he started to get you know cold feet with such a big pot or something like that right right like there's some chance yeah that that can be true but i don't know maybe he doesn't have enough jacks in his range and maybe we should just be ripping the jack too right yeah i mean when you put it that way it's like we're just worried about him having made a set on the river i mean that's pretty rare right so yeah, it's it's pretty rare. We've ruled out sets earlier in the hand. He's probably just has a hand that's like literally ace king, man. He probably has ace king. Yeah, that's I, probably exactly what he has here, and so we should just rip it in because he can't. Right, I call we, you with ace king here. I mean, and, he just can't. And we can't win by checking. So he checks no immediately when the jack hits, like which also mm-hmm. kind of helped me make the play. But mm-hmm. I didn't rip it in. I only put in thirteen six. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do if he check raises, but I just don't think he's ever check raising. 
I thought it would look more, it would look less bluffy if I just bet half his stack. I don't know. Is there anything to even talk about with that? Is it silly? Well, so, I mean, you know, I don't know. People have uh, different ideas about what different sizes will gain them in those situations. I basically am going to say this. Like, if he's going to call it off there for... He... If if we have a value hand in that situation, right, and he calls thirteen six, is he not calling for twenty four? <laughs> right. So it's like when we have a value hand, we should always be shoving for just about a pot size shove on that river, unless it's like we think we're up against a very capped range versus a player who's not, not going to turn hands into bluffs, and we want to bet something really small on the river for value. I guess once in a while, exploitatively, you can do that. But I think theoretically speaking, we should basically just have all jams on the river, whether we're bluffing or, or value betting. And I, I personally would jam here uh, if I was going to bluff, but you know, I'm sure you can come up with an argument why 13.6 is okay or why 8,500 might have have been okay just for for me for the way i play poker it would be a jam but i'm open to you know the other other ways of doing it can be okay too yeah i mean the only good thing about not jamming is when he does hero call then we still have a stack to try to get back in the tournament i guess but it's well but then there's the argument does he hero call for his whole stack or is he hero calling because he's going to have you know, 12K left or 11K left or whatever. Right, that's what I was going to say. Like, he could have the same rationale for calling. Well, if I call and lose, I still have my stack, yeah. right? So, you know, yeah, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Well, anyway, yeah. uh, he does fold, and he he took a while to do so, and then he said that if I had shoved, he would have called, <laughs> but I don't know if <laughs> I believe that. doesn't even make any goddamn sense. That's the most ridiculous thing when people this say shit like that. This is the kind of like, stuff you hear at the table. Oh, right? you yeah. would have called for a worse price because <laughs> yeah. obviously. And he also claimed to have pocket kings, which I also don't believe. I think we figured out he that pretty much has ace king every time here. Yeah. Did he have his shades on when he told you that? I'm oh, yeah. yeah he never that. takes I'm them off. Kidding. He never takes <laughs> yeah, them off for any of reason. Of course he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, sure you had pocket kings, buddy. Sure you did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was kind of a fun one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I've taken up enough of a sick man's time. And, uh, Jason, I want to thank you again for uh, participating in the podcast. I hope you enjoyed yeah, it. I definitely enjoyed it, and I, I, you know, I hope we get to do this again. So, yeah. you know, anytime you want to have me back, man, shoot me a message, and I'm, I like, I like doing it with you, I like hanging out with you, I like talking hands with you. So, I'm, cool. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm open to being back for sure. Cool, man. Likewise. Well, we appreciate you. Tell us again how people can follow you on Twitter and anywhere else they might be able to find you. Uh, I am at Snoss and Lost Poker on Twitter. I am. Twitch.tv slash Lost on Twitch. Um, yeah, I think we'll go with those two. I think that's basically it. Where's your sexy poker vlog that we can all follow, who you're going to marry and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's coming, uh, coming soon, right? When when that comes out, I'll be sure to let you know. I'll be sure to let you know. We'll do a celebration podcast for the Sexy yeah. Pulpit Blog. Can't wait. I'll be for waiting the... with bated breath. Yeah. <laughs> really appreciate you joining me again, Jason. So uh, for Jason Smith and for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Talk to you soon. Fun, fun. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa.